epistles of John. Um, and uh, so we're going to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, did everybody get a paper? Do we have enough? Do we need more? If we need more, I can print some. But, uh, I didn't expect this many. <laughs> we had to add more tables. Um, but anyways... Um, okay, so we, we left off the end of uh, chapter 2, uh, first John, so we're going to pick up where we left off, and um, so uh, verse 28 is where we're going to start all the way, I think, to 3 and 10, I think is where we're going to be. Um, so, you can see the title, Children of God, please don't be distracted by my child. Um, so, 1 John 2 um, and uh, 28 says, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be, uh, not be ashamed before him at his coming. The English standard says, Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. So, if you've been paying attention so far, uh, hopefully you have, but... Uh, John's got this thing where he, he calls the, the people he's talking to little children, and it's not um, belittling, but it's a, it's a term of endearment because he sees himself as kind of a, a father in the faith. You know, John's been around from the um, very beginning, even before the beginning of, of the church, and so um, it's this um, term of endearment, and this time he's going to, so he's been calling them children here and there throughout it, so this time he's going to really add to it and talk about how we are children of, of God as well. And so, um, if you've noticed, we, what we've said many times, that this kind of goes in circles. So there are things that John will mention, and then he'll mention it again, and he'll mention it again. And there's a word that's popped up a few times already, and it's abide, if you remember from previous lessons. And so, um, he brings it up again, and he says, now, little children, abide in him. So abide means to stay or remain. And abiding is something that we should just do as, as Christians. Abiding in Jesus, staying in Jesus is something we should just do. But um, in our society, uh, we have increasingly short attention spans. Like I, I've seen it happening with myself. Like I can't focus on things like I, like I used to. Just, I don't know if it's like just. <laughs> I know. I can't like when I'm seventy. I don't know. I won't be able to focus on anything. I'll just be staring into space. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if it's like because you're I don't know, on social medias and stuff. It's just oh, I don't want to look at this anymore. I go to the next thing and the next thing, and then I don't know. People we stream things and we just don't want to skip theme song. I don't know. We just we don't got time and we're. In our heads, we think we just we don't wait for anything, and and um, you know we've got everything, fast food, microwaves, whatever, everything, anything we need to know. Like we've said before, like uh, with our smartphones, you just pull them out and find out any information that you want to know, instead of like when we had to go look it up in a, in a dictionary or an encyclopedia or other books, and wait for the library to be open and. Make a plan and go so we can learn a thing. And now 
Now we just get it whenever we want. And so waiting and, and abiding isn't something that comes so easily for us, um, I don't think, anymore. And we get, we get bored. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just talking to me, but um, it's hard. Uh, maybe five, five minutes, that's a bit extreme, but it's hard to focus on things. And um, staying and remaining, continuing to do something isn't you know, something that's done as often anymore. I saw this, um, an article, a man just set the world record for working for a company for the same for the same company for a certain amount of years. 84 years. He started when he was like I don't know what it was, 13 or 14, and just same company. Nobody does that anymore. We just job to job to job. Like before, people would just stay and and ride it out. And so um, we've we've kind of changed, I think. And I don't know how many jobs that I've started not working but like tasks i've started and then forget what i'm doing and then forget where you've put your measuring tape <laughs> or, or the pencil or the whatever and it's just like so hard <laughs> to focus right and and you know and um if we're not careful this way of thinking and this way of living and 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 that all it can Sneak into our, our spiritual lives too. You know, something new comes along and then we, we forget what we're supposed to be focused on, which is, you know, Jesus. And something else pops up. Well, I'm not going to go to, you know, to church today because I forgot or whatever. And, and if we aren't careful, we, we can find ourselves not abiding in Jesus like we should. We may find ourselves doing the opposite, which is wandering. And that, that's why John... You know, issues this morning. He says, "Little children, I need you to to abide and stay in Jesus. Don't wander and don't entertain other things. Abide. Why?" He says, "Because He's coming." He says, "When He appears, you may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming." So, Jesus is coming back, and we've said this before, and we'll say it again. But He's coming for a church, and He's coming for people who are watching and waiting for him and, and people who are abiding in him and people who are staying and who are faithful when god came looking for adam and eve in the garden after they sinned what did they do they they hid in shame and because they hadn't been doing what they were supposed to be doing and what do people if you work with these people that, that don't do their job and then when the boss comes they they disappear they go to the bathroom for an hour, or they just, I told you about a guy named Kevin. He just disappeared one day. We couldn't find him. And that's, they, they hide because I haven't been doing the thing that I should be doing. So John says this kind of thing. He says, well, so we need to abide so that when Jesus comes back, we're not like, oh, and hiding in shame, and we're not embarrassed because we haven't been doing the thing that he told us to do, you know, oh, sorry, Jesus, I was doing something else. So John says we need to abide or we need to stay in Jesus. In verse 29, he says, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Or in English standard, you know he is righteous. You may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So he's been calling us uh, the readers little children, and he's kind of keeping that theme and now he talks about being born 
And um, he says, you know that uh, you, if you know that Jesus is righteous, um, you can be sure that if someone practices righteousness, they are a child of Jesus. And a sign that you've been born again or a sign that you are uh, children of God or a child of Jesus is, is that you practice righteousness. And on the other side of that, um, you can't be righteous if you haven't been born again or born of him, right? The only way to be righteous is to be born of him. And righteousness means um, justice or justness or righteousness that, that God is the source of or the author of. Um, so the word that they use in the Greek here is used to mean in the ancient like um, judge, law, court, world, um, properly or approval you know, from the judge. Verdict of approval is what it means. So in the New Testament, it means that righteousness means the approval of God or divine approval deemed right by the Lord. Does that make sense? And so in order for us to practice righteousness or be approved um, by God, that's what it means, or deemed right by the Lord, we need to have been born of Jesus. And so this is essential. And all the stuff that he talks about after this um, doesn't really apply unless we're born of him or born again of the water and spirit like John, Jesus said in John chapter 3 verses 3 and 5. And so, um, carry on. Chapter 3 verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Or see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So he said that everyone who practices righteousness is a child of God or born of, of him. And then he goes into this uh, explanation or exclamation expressing his appreciation for the love of God. Because we can look at the last verse and say, well, what's it say? Everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So we can look at that verse and say, well, I've done righteousness. And this is what makes me special. This is what makes me um, born, again, born again. I'm a, you know, I'm a big deal. And that's what makes me the son of God because I've done these things. Or I'm, whatever, I've done it on my own. But John makes sure in the next verse that there is no question. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. He said, God has done this. Before you start thinking, it's because of me and I've, you know, earned it somehow. I've, whatever. I don't know. None of us think that. But just to be sure that we're not thinking that, he says, God's done this and it's through his love that we can be called the children of God. That's how we become the children of God is through his love. Before we start thinking it's our own righteousness or th start thinking it's something we have done, Stop. And remember, John goes in circles, so he's looping back to clarify his last verse. So he's through the love of the Father, the love God has given us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That's through that love, through that sacrifice, that we can be called children of God through Jesus and through his love. So, and then we go um, back a verse, and because of that love that makes us the children of God, because of that, we can practice righteousness. Does that make sense? I know they broke it up in the chapters here, so sometimes we just 
cut it off, but they didn't write them that way. And they're, they're connected. And so because of that love, we can practice righteousness. This love of God works in us and produces the righteousness that he expects of us. Does that make sense? Clear? Get it? So um, it's not me. It's him working through me. He makes me his child, and it's through his love that I can be his child. It's through his love that I can live righteously or be approved by him or whatever. He works in me. And it says the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So the world doesn't, doesn't understand this. The world doesn't know um, this, this love. The world doesn't recognize this. The world doesn't get it. That I am a child of God Almighty because of his love for me. This doesn't make sense to, to the world. And the world doesn't know us um, who are in Jesus. And the reason is the world didn't recognize him either. They don't. John 1, um, 10 to 11 it says, he was in the world, the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. So, if you are a child of God, don't be upset and confused when the world doesn't know you, or the world doesn't understand you, or the world doesn't get you. Don't be upset if you don't fit in, because you shouldn't. Because they didn't, they killed him. So, like, they didn't recognize God when he came so if you're his child they're not going to understand you either your father didn't fit in the world didn't know him either and the world didn't understand or get him either and so the old saying like father like son that's how it should be now, I know it doesn't help us feel better when people don't understand why we do the things we do but they they don't because they don't know him so our job is to get them to know him to show him to them so that they can understand uh, so verse 2 of chapter 3 says beloved now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is so, um, you remember a couple verses ago, he mentioned Jesus is appearing or coming back, as we say. So, again, he's going back to that. And um, he says that we are God's children right now. We already are. But what we will be, we aren't yet. It kind of sounds like when he said, I'm giving you a, a new commandment. It's an old one, but it's a new one. It's a new one, but it's not an old one. It's been around. And so it's kind of same kind of phrasing. And he says, you know, we're already God's children. Um, but what we will be, we, we aren't yet. And so there's, what he's saying is there's a day or a time coming when Jesus returns, when we are um, in heaven with him, when we see him, and we will be like him, and we will be um, like he is. We will see him as he is, and we will be you know, with him. And the early church, they were always looking for Jesus um, to come back. Even I remember even in the 90s, back in the day. That was yesterday to some of us. To me, it was. It's crazy. It's like 30 years ago now. Wild. Oh, I think I've crossed over. But even like growing up, there was this, 
every service, whoever would close would say, if the Lord tarries, we'll see you tonight. The Lord tarries, we'll see you Wednesday. It was just how we were. Maybe we should start doing that again. But um, there, we were always, there was always on, on, on our minds. And I remember when I was in Bible school, it kind of um, had eased up a bit by then. But I remember I stayed at a preacher's house in Nova Scotia. And he was just, he just kept talking about it. And I hadn't heard anybody do that for, for, so, for so long. And I was like, this is amazing. And, and, and he just, it was just, I don't know. But that's what the early church was like. They were just constantly looking for, for Jesus. And their hope was in Jesus and, and his coming back in heaven and seeing him again. And um, I've told you this before, but when we were, when we were in Benin, um, our last service there, they, they, you know, they um, did this little presentation and, um, um, and they gave us some gifts and, and a shirt and for me and dress for my wife and all these things. And, but one of the things they were like telling us to come back and one of the things they said that stuck with me, you know, after all the handshakes and, and the hugs and photos with, with the white people or the ovos, as they called us, um, they said, come back and, and see us. But if you don't, we will see you in heaven. And I, I never had anybody say that to me before. And it just stuck with me. Like, this is pretty, pretty incredible yeah. that there's this, this hope that we, you know, I'll see my friend Kosi. And I'll see Francois. And I'll see these, all these other people that, that, that we met. And maybe we'll never see them again in person. But... Um, you know, it's just a simple thing and it's a simple thought. Um, but when they said that, it made it like more real um, to me. And this, that's, how they, that's how they lived. And that's how the early church um, lived too. And, you know, we've got a lot of things going on in our world and a lot of things on our mind. And we can get focused on all these other things, which is, you know, fine, whatever. It's good to know what's going on. And these things that need to be thought and, and dealt, um, dealt with thought about and dealt with, but underneath all that or above all that, there needs to be some thought and focus given to heaven and the return of Jesus and being right with God and all that stuff. Because all of these issues that we care about right now, they're all going to fade away. All the wars that are going on, they're going to end. All the pandemics, they're going to end. The diseases, there will be a new one. Whatever things are, things are going to change and things are going to end and all the problems we're facing are going to end and it'll be just a, you know a distant memory. So we should, I'm not saying don't think about anything, but we should be focusing and looking forward to that day when he returns. And so it's not about you know being comfy and having all the stuff or you know, even just living a nice life. Our focus should always remain on Jesus and heaven and living for him and all that. So um, don't get distracted. Don't put your hope in other things. And the next verse, John says in verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth him even as he, purifieth himself even as he is pure. And so English Standard says, Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So when we're looking for that, heaven and the return of Jesus. So we put our hope 
in him and in his salvation and his promises and his kingdom and in heaven we John says we purify ourselves. And so all the other things and the other worries and concerns and all that they're taken away and my when we hope and we trust in Jesus the other things are removed and we're purified. They're taken away. We don't need to um, put our hope in anyone else or anything else. And if we do, we're, <laughs> it's not a word, but we're unpurifying ourselves or defiling ourselves. That's a little more, it's an actual word. But we aren't making ourselves any better by putting our hope elsewhere. And we know that John talks in circles. In chapter 1, he said, um, in verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we know that we are cleansed or purified just by simply having hope. He's already mentioned this. But it's because of the blood of Jesus that we are cleansed. So we put these two verses together because this is how it's all together, all connected. We put our hope in Jesus because of his sacrifice, because of the blood that he shed for us. And when we do that, there's a, there's a lifestyle that emerges from us. Um, there, there will be a life of purity and holiness when we put our hope in him and his sacrifice and his blood and what he's done. When we trust, believe, and hope in Jesus, his sacrifice, his blood, his salvation, then um, when we truly do that, we will live differently. We will pursue holiness because the things of the world will not matter. The opinions of others will not matter, so I will dress like he wants me to. I will speak how he wants me to. I will live like he wants me to because it's pleasing to God and I really don't care what anyone else thinks. So when we get to that place where our hope is in him, yes. purity will, will come. Yes. Holiness will come. When my hope is in him, when we hope in Jesus, we aren't tainted by the concerns, worries, and cares of anything else. There's a purity that comes with that. Does that... You know, makes sense? Clear? Okay. Moving on. Three to four. Or sorry. Chapter three, four to five. Whosoever committed sin, committed sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So when we put our hope in him, he said we are purified. And when we don't, when we do what we want, that is called sin, right? And when we sin, we break the law or disobey God because that's the definition of sin, disobeying God. And, and we know that Jesus came or was manifested, the King James says, in order to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. So there's two options here. One, we can put our hope in him and follow him, his commandments, and those things that we should be doing, believe in him, follow him, or we can do what we want, which if we follow our flesh, will be sin. That's how, that's how it goes. Um, verse 6 says, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So no one who abides in him. That, what does that mean? Stays, remains, is faithful in him, keeps on sinning. Jesus came to take away our sins. 
So if we stay in him, if we remain in him, we should stop these things. Not saying we're going to be perfect, but this regular doing the same old sinful stuff every day, it should stop if we are abiding in him and letting him work in us. There should be a, a change in us. And there's this, I don't know, this theory that we can do whatever we want and it's cool because Jesus is on our side and he loves us no matter what. And I'm not saying he doesn't love us because he does. That would be ridiculous for me to say that. But there's something that should happen when we abide in him and we stay in him and we follow him. There should be a change in us. Amen. That means we shouldn't continue in sin or keep on sinning, as John says. And this includes all sin, sexual, idolatry, worshiping other things, things other than God, putting other things first, lying, deceiving, dishonesty, you know, any kind of sin. If I start listing them, you're going to be like, well, I didn't mention mine, so I'm good. Uh, so I don't like to do that. I'm off the hook today. And if you had one that came to your head, that one. Any kind of sin, we should be stopping it if we're abiding in him. Jesus came to take away sin, so why, why would we continue in it if we're abiding in him? Why would we keep living a lifestyle of sin if he came to take it away and set us free? It doesn't really make sense. So if you're doing the same wrong things you were doing before coming to Jesus, you may need to change. The key to this is abiding in him and staying in him. We can't be in and out and you know, expect to grow and expect to move on. Uh, a plant only grows when you leave it. You keep digging it up, it's not going to grow. Try it. <laughs> Seeds aren't growing. See what it's open. Right? It can't keep, it has to stay, it has to abide in order for it to grow. So if we're in and out, in and out, in and out, one week I'm living for God, the next week I'm not, you're not going to grow. You need to, you need to abide, that's the key. Abide. Um, some deliverance only comes by abiding and staying and being faithful. You just got to stick with it. That's how we grow, and that's how we move past some of these things that we struggle with. We can't be wishy-washy, spineless Christians and expect all the benefits of abiding in him. We need to abide and stay in Jesus, stay in his word, stay in his presence, move in his spirit. And it's um, safe to say if you're continuing in sin, then you aren't abiding in Jesus. That's how you, that's how you can tell. It's a pretty easy test. So John says no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So you don't even... This, like John says some pretty harsh things, and this is one of them. You don't, he says you don't even know him. And you haven't even seen him, because if you had, surely you would abide in him. Surely you would stay in him. He's come to take away sin. For us to continue in sin would be pretty foolish. So if, if you do, you either don't know him fully, or you haven't really seen him, or haven't really got a revelation of who he is. That's, uh, that's the harsh one for today. It's not as bad as other days. He hasn't called anyone a liar yet. Verse 7 to 8, it says, Little children, let no man deceive you. But he that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Uh, English standard, little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So again, he says, little children, you're, you're dear to him. Um, he says, don't say this kind of stuff. You know, you don't, you don't say these kind of things to people you don't care about. Right? You don't warn people you don't care about. Yes, nah, whatever. Let them go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should. But anyways, move on. He says, dear people, he says, let me make this really plain for you in case you haven't got what I've been trying to say. How, how to know what way you're living. So John, so far, he's been, you know, he talks in circles, but he's very straightforward, very black and white, very factual. You do this, um, then this is going on inside of you. You don't do this, then this is going on. You may fool others, but this is really what's going on. This is kind of a theme. And so he says, just to be clear, guys, don't let anyone deceive you or tell you otherwise. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. My minds are blown. I can tell. Because Jesus is righteous. However, whoever makes a practice of sinning, he says, is of the devil. So practice here means to make ready, to do, to prepare. That's what practice is. To do a thing on a regular basis to get better at it. This is a willing participant. This is someone who is willingly sinning and doing it and getting better at it. You notice how they find new ways to, to sin? Just anyways. He doesn't say that, you know, if you stumble, if you, you, you make, you know, you fall. He doesn't say, if you do that, you're of the devil. We all stumble. We all get tripped up. We all have weaknesses and things that don't come as easy for us. And we all struggle with things. He's not saying that, but he says that if you are practicing sinning, if you're continuing to do it, knowing that you're doing it and just keep doing it, then you know, if you're doing this on a regular basis, on purpose, if you're continuing to live in this sin and continuing to work in this sin, he says, then you are of the devil. You can't continue to live in sin and do these things over and over and over and expect to be right with God. The whole reason Jesus came, he says, was to destroy the works of the devil or to destroy sin, to set us free from it. So stop doing it. He didn't come because he wanted you to continue in sin, or he just wouldn't have came. But the whole purpose was to destroy sin and to set us free. Makes sense? As clear as whatever. Crystal. Verse 9, we're almost done. I see everyone getting tired. He ate too much. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. Um, English standard, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. So he says, if you are a child of God, then you shouldn't be sinning. Which is pretty much what we've been saying the whole time. Simple. You can't be a child of God and practice sinning. So the first step to becoming a child of God is to be born Again, so the first step to being born again is what? Repentance, right? Turning from sin. That's how we get here in the first place. You can't be a child of God and continue practicing 
sin. Yes, even that sin that's in your mind right now, the one that you're thinking about that I didn't mention. Have you thought, what about this? The answer is yes. I can't, <laughs> I can you know, sometimes we think I can just continue doing this thing and Jesus understands, you know, I was born this way. That's what they say now. Well, I got news for you. You're supposed to be born again. So, there goes that. And uh, it runs in my family. There's an old excuse. Can't help it. It runs in my family. Well, you're, you're, you have a new family now. You have a new father. So, uh, that, that's not a good argument. Um, you know, I get it from my father. Well, same thing. Got a new one. So, <laughs> you getting cold? What? Sometimes we can think that, but John is clearly telling us otherwise. In the last verse, we're going to look at verse 10. It says, and, uh, and, that, and this, the children of God are manifest in the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither is neither he that loveth not his brother. Um, by this it is evident that we are the children of God, and who are the children of by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about loving our, our brother. And this is, this is what John says. This is how we tell who is a child of God and who is a child of the devil, as he says. If we don't live right, we aren't of God. And then he circles back to a point from earlier about loving our brother, First John 2, 9 to 10. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. So the question we have to ask ourselves is this. Am I practicing righteousness? Or am I practicing sin? Are we children of God or children of the devil? No one's going to just, I'm a child of the devil, but... Show of hands. Who's a child of the devil? No one's gonna. But these are questions we can ask ourselves by looking at these passages in the Bible where he very plainly lists out things that are signs of no checklist, if you will, what I'm doing, and then I can know who I'm following, if that makes any sense. So we got two options, child of God and child of the devil. And if we find ourselves leaning more towards the second, um, he's already given us the way out in chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So as we, you know, as we were going through this, if any of it made sense... And there were some things that God was speaking to you about. I know we made jokes about it, but if there were things, then that's him trying to tell you, straighten it out. Make sure that we're following after him and abiding in him, because it's easy to start drifting. It's easy to start um, going elsewhere. Abiding is its a hard thing sometimes. It gets easier as time goes on, I think, but... But it can, be, it can be a challenge sometimes with all the things that life throws at us if we're not careful. It's something that we need to practice and need to do. And, 
And God, we've said before, God rewards faithfulness. And that's all he's asking of us, is to be faithful. Um, that's the main thing. If you can be faithful, everything else will, be, will follow. And so let's just uh, let's pray again. That's all right with you. And uh, maybe this week, um, we go home, we can reread this and, and look at ourselves, use it as a mirror, like the Bible is, and see if there's anything that maybe we need to um, adjust or turn over to him. But let's just pray once, once more together. Jesus, we thank you uh, for your word, and God. Um, it's an epistle from John where he writes very clearly and lets us know uh, what is right and what is wrong. And God, I pray that uh, as we look at this and as we, as we think about it, God, if there's anything in our hearts, God, anything that we've been doing or Anything that we practice that isn't of you, God, I pray that you would show us so that we can we can um, confess it to you and be forgiven and have that cleansed, uh, washed away and taken away, God, so that we can continue to follow you and, and abide in you, Jesus. We want to do that. We want to abide in you, God. We were looking for your return and your coming. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to lead us and guide us and continue to use us. God, we're thankful for what you're doing. Jesus, continue, I pray, to, to work in our lives. Let your will be done in our homes, in our families, in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name.